Well, that was quite a message. What do you think? That was the best talk on wardrobe I have ever heard. And as she was so wonderfully exhorting you and encouraging you, the Spirit of God is in this place today, and I've been praying and watching him move, and the Lord really spoke a word to me that I believe is for the times we find ourselves in. And not only did he speak the word for me, he taught me this because As I've been preparing for you, my last four weeks of counseling have been absolutely insane. He has taken me through some situations um, and has spoken a word to me that I want to share with you today. And I believe it's very, very, very important. Um, And it's pretty sobering, but it's also awesome because it's God's truth and it's a warning. And I also think it will encourage you. I'm ministering to some of the people that God has brought in your life. I believe there's going to be answers for you. So I just feel we need to be led by the Spirit here. And um, I do want to save some time um, at the end for us to um, pray and to worship. And also that we are all available for each one of you, if you'd like to stay afterwards, to pray with you, uh, to bring wisdom to your life, to encourage you, to exhort you. Um, many of you have asked on the cards, uh, you know, if you don't attend this church, if counseling is available to you, any of the women here today would love to counsel you. Counseling is not a church thing. It's a body of Christ thing. doesn't matter what church you go to, sister. We are here for you. So let's pray and get started. Lord Jesus, um, I just thank you, Father, how you've weaved these messages together Um, Lord, how I've just seen you bring home some verses over and over again, and you're asking us, God, to pay attention, because you're speaking here. Lord, Lord, you're with us. Your spirit is alive. And I pray, Father, as we close this day with this uh, passage out of Timothy, God, that you will just speak. And Lord, that these women will be strengthened in their inner woman, Lord. And they will be exhorted, and they will be... uh, warriors for you, Jesus, uh, and victorious. Uh, Because uh, as Lisa said, Lord, you know what? It's a done deal. You've already won. We win. So uh, we praise you for that today, Jesus, and give you this time now in your name. Amen. Okay, if you turn with me to 2 Timothy chapter 3, I'm going to be reading verses 1 to 9. But know this, In the last days, perilous times will come. For men and women will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, Slanderers without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power, and from such people turn away. For this sort are those who creep into households and make captives of gullible women loaded down with sins, led away by various lusts, always learning never coming 
to the knowledge of the truth. Now as Jonas and Jambres resisted Moses, so do these also resist the truth. Men of corrupt minds disapproved concerning the faith, but they will progress no further, for their folly will be manifest to all, as theirs also was. What a passage. Kind of reads like a summary of Fox News, huh? <laughs> Surely. It's not just me. It's easy to see that these times we find ourselves living in today exactly fit the description that Paul uses here. Wow, in the first nine verses of this chapter, Paul describes a host of problems uh, representative of what you and I find as women who seek to counsel women. Well, often, and more often, as the days grow darker, encounter in our attempts to help people. Oh, and many people who require counseling, they do so because they are struggling with difficulties that stem from one or many of these sinful attitudes, desires, and actions that Paul's mentions here. And, um, you know, if you look at this list, there isn't a sin on here that you and I, (laughs) we're not blaspheming God, but, boy, we can sure be lovers of ourselves, can't we? But the difference, the difference is, as, as Lisa so well taught us today is we keep short accounts with God, we repent, and as God is sanctifying us, as he's cleaning that junk out, as he's doing the work, we're becoming a little bit more and more like Jesus every day, every day. And I've titled this session Hope for the Heart of Heart because there is hope for the heart of heart. But if you want to encapsulate this passage of Scripture, I was amazed when the Lord showed me this, that people in these last days will be marked by selfishness. I mean, of all the things that you thought would mark the last days, when I really studied this and asked for a word from the Lord, it's selfishness. And my goodness, what a word for the United States, where we find ourselves today as a people that have so much. And we see God doing a work here. The things that possibly we have um, sorrowfully put our hope in, our economy or our government or people, um, they've let us down. They've let us down. I mean, our hope is in God. But if you look at the remaining list of this passage of Scripture, we're looking at what a lover of self does, what a lover of self acts like, and what he speaks about. In other words, Paul says that the primary cause of these perilous times is the hypocritical lives of Christians. And I don't say that to you sisters today who are here and growing and wanting to know more about the Lord and are serious about your walks. We struggle. We all struggle. But 
our world would look a lot different, wouldn't it? If everyone was living the life. And you know, God put the church here to be a light. To be a light. To have an influence in the places that we find ourselves today. And the light's dim. The light's dim. So those of us who are here today, we really need to be shining brightly for him and to take for our own walks. Oh, I was so convicted in my own life as I studied this. The worship of self. Seriously. Because you know what? The struggles are coming into our homes. Our husbands may be losing our jobs. Um, you know, single women waiting for a husband, single moms doing parenting on their own. We all have issues. We all have trials. And it's so easy to get caught up in ourselves. While there's a whole world out there that needs Jesus. And a whole bunch of hurting women that need someone to come alongside them. And you know what? Outwardly, they look the part. They look committed and devoted. But here's the real defining factor. That they are unchanged on the inside. That they are unchanged on the inside. And as has been talked about all day today, so I hope you're paying attention, they have no power to overcome evil in their lives. And that's what we're seeing today. This statement by John Wolver, the increment of evil, the growth of hypocrisy, selfishness, and unbelief within the bounds of professing Christendom are, according to Scripture, the signs of the approaching of the end of the age. Though there are thousands of faithful congregations, oh, faithful sisters like we have here today, and many pious souls still bearing a faithful testimony to Christ in our modern day, It is hardly true that the majority of Christendom is bearing a true testimony. It is the exception rather than the rule for the great fundamentals of the church to ring from the pulpit and for the pew to manifest the transforming grace of God in life and sacrificial devotion. In a word, the last days of the church on earth are days of apostasy, theologically and morally, days of unbelief, and days that will culminate in divine judgment. And that is from John Walverd, The Church and Prophecy, page 66. And you know what? We don't have to guess, because we've been hearing it all day, what power it is that Paul's talking about here. He tells us very plainly in 1 Corinthians 1.18, the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, It is what? The power of God. And you know, when you let the effect of the cross have its will and its way in you, you realize, you see the power of God working in your life. Right? Right? And it's the denial of this message of the cross that constitutes this kind of Christianity. This kind of Christianity without Christ. You know, this appearance of godliness without God. Spirituality, big today, without the Spirit of God. 
And you know what? The message of the cross is that which puts to death the natural life. It denies self, in other words. And you know what? I loved it because one of you, I, I saved it here, wrote this on their card. Vicky, sweet Vicky. I don't really have a question, but something God gave us. Die to self and live for him. That was a word. She didn't know it was coming in this session. So, how do you and I speak into the lives of people that are living dangerously on the edge? How, how do we do that? Oh, those who are living for themselves and those who manifest. And I'm not talking that, you know, I struggle with pride every day. I struggle with these things every day. We all do. But it's a continual, a continual walking with a hard heart and not coming to God and agreeing with him and telling him you're sorry and allowing the Holy Spirit once again to be working and alive and well in your heart. And you know, it's interesting, but Paul gives us the answers as in the following verses in verse 10 to 17, he says, you know, you have carefully followed my doctrine my manner of life, my purpose, my faith, long-suffering, love, perseverance, persecutions, afflictions, which happened to me at Antioch, at Iconium, at Lystra, what persecutions I endured. And out of all of them, the Lord delivered me. Yes, and all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. But evil men and imposters will grow worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. But you, you sisters, must continue in the things which you have learned and been assured of, knowing from whom you have learned them, and that from childhood you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God, and it is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man, the woman of God, may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. So three important truths from this passage. Bring women back to the word of God. Please, I beg you today, not your opinions, not your favorite movie, not your favorite book, not your best friend. Bring women back to the word of God. Build your ministries on it. Build your homes on it. Build your life on it. Build your marriages on it. Build your families on it. Bring people back to the word. And whatever you do, don't preach anything but the word. Don't preach anything but the word because you know what? There's no authority in any of those things. There's no power in any of those things. And in most of those things, there is very little truth. You have to show the next generation. You know, us Titus women here, the younger women that are here today, I praise Jesus for them. I meet with several young women and I love them. You know what? I want to encourage them. I don't want them to make the same mistakes that I did. Titus 2 women, where are you? You know, it's interesting. 
but I am in contact with several women ministry directors who have had to shut down their Titus model ministries because of a lack of a Titus II woman to be there for their younger women. That's a shame. It's a shame. Where are the older women for the younger women? Where are the older women? Our scriptures, the Lord's word, the greatest treasure in the world, and only his word makes us wise unto salvation through Christ. Don't neglect, don't neglect the book. Number two, that we're to use discernment in diagnosing their spiritual condition. And this is huge today. Hebrews 5.14 says that solid food is for the mature, who by constant use, constant use of what? The word, have trained themselves. What have we trained ourselves in? Distinguishing good from evil. That's why we need to be in our words, because it's getting a little hard to define. And we might have someone in our office that claims to be a Christian, but every other evidence in their life would say, no, God's going to give you the discernment. He's going to show you what that woman needs. And I want to give you some scenarios here just real quickly of what I've seen come into my office and and kind of um, a way that you can address it. Oh boy, one thing I've seen is that biblical illiteracy among women is huge. They have only the most superficial knowledge of the scriptures. In fact, what I've found is that they like to pull out their favorite verses of the Bible and um, that's about what they live on. And they don't understand anything of the great secrets of life, which the Bible reveals that we were talking about today, that Jan, that verse, I just loved how you brought that home. They don't know what it means to have a biblical worldview. And you only need to see, and I'm not going to get political on you today, (laughs) but you only need to see that we're voting people into office that are totally opposed to everything that God says in the Bible. We are voting. Christians are voting those people into office. They stand completely opposed to what is in the word of God. We vote the Bible. We vote for Jesus Christ for president. Amen? Amen. After all, he's in control of it all. (laughs) But you know what? I call that biblical ignorance. And for that woman, the cure is discipleship. It really is. She just doesn't know better. Well, sometimes she does. But in this case, help her to come to understand the word of God. Disciple her. Disciple her. If you're not able to and you're, you're busy, because you totally need to pray about how many people you're counseling or discipling at one time, but hook her up. Don't leave her on her own. She, she doesn't know how to feed herself. She's a baby. So you need to teach her you know, how to eat. Second, rebellion. A me attitude. Not willing to give up their sin. You immediately see that their heart is hard. There's obvious, usually in this case, displays of pride. Typically i found there's not only problems in one relationship, but there's problems in many relationships. 
And they've been so blinded, you know, that they don't see that they're the common factor in every single one of those situations. <laughs> and you know what? I see this a lot, and I'm so glad it was brought up earlier. You know, unforgiveness is rampant in the church. If you want to read uh, what Ephesians says, and um, I believe it's 426 to 32, out of 85% of the women that I counsel, I have quoting that passage. God says to get rid of it. Because what does it do? It quenches the Holy Spirit. You can't live with bitterness in your heart. You can't live with unforgiveness in your heart and then think that you're hearing okay this way. It, it, it quenches the Spirit of God. And then guess who begins to speak to you? Another voice comes into the picture. Sounds a little bit like God's. And actually, he just skews it and he says, you know what, that's okay. You're, you're entitled to that. You, you have a right to be mad. You have a right to be angry. And you know what? I feel so sad um, because the freedom that Lisa talked about is available. We don't have any rights. You've been bought at a price. And that's the biggest lie that I expose in the counseling. No, you don't have any rights. Jesus bought you at a price. You are his and um, that is an important thing to know. So with this person, just be praying for conviction. Pray for a brokenness. And like my sister Lisa said, which is why I know that I was, knew that I was supposed to continue on, don't be afraid to confront their sin. Don't enable them to continue in it. Because you know what? I, we're not there to make them feel better. We're there to set them free and draw them closer to Jesus, right? Jesus said as the guy crashed through the roof, you're forgiven. We want her to be free. Don't help her continue on. Don't say it's okay to live with that guy. No, it's not. Why are you even dating him? He's not a Christian. Don't, don't be afraid to say those things. They need to hear them. They're coming to you for truth because... They, they trust you. They trust that you know. Don't be afraid. And you know what? You may lose some. But that's okay. And I'm, I'm going there right now. Third thing, victim mentality. Oh, this is choosing to be a victim rather than to be victorious. Boy. Max Lucado calls this victim mentality a heroine of the soul. You know, this is the woman that says, you know what, it's their fault. You know, I was mistreated. If somebody would just give me a break, you know, I can make it too. It's the government's fault. <laughs> That's a good one today. It's how I grew up. It's that time of the month. We've all said that one. It's not my fault. And just like, and I know the Lord is speaking today, the worst prison in the world is the one that we put ourselves in. The worst prison in the world is the ones we put ourselves in. Mindsets and victim mentalities strip us of the power that God has given us to rule our lives in victory. You're just saying, no, I choose to stay where I'm at. And, but you know what? They like the attention. 
They like the attention, but again, it's not helping them to move on. And you know what? You need to help them. Love them. And I'm not judging. We're not judging here today. But this is how we love in truth. This is how we love one another. This is how we help one another to walk in victory. So with that person, you need to remind her that no one can keep her in the situation she finds herself except her. You must begin today. She must begin today to accept total responsibility to become victors and not victims. And you know what? Just like Lisa said, as that fiery dart came and we give in and we get angry and those darts are furled and we lose it and we come to the flesh, let's humble ourselves right away and say we're sorry. You know why? Not so much. God doesn't give us that forgiveness for the other person as much as he gives it to us so that we can maintain fellowship and relationship with him. That's the important thing. I don't want to quench this. You know what? I don't want to quench this. I'm going to do what God says because it's right and because it's true. And now we don't deny that people may have had something to do with how we get in situations, but only we can decide whether or not to stay in that situation. And the victim mentality ends when a woman will take full responsibility for her attitude and direction in life. In fact, Deuteronomy 30, 15, 19 says, I have set before you this day life and prosperity and death and adversity. So choose what? Life. That both you and your descendants might live. The victorious, abundant, God kind of life. And help that woman to choose victory. Love on her. Encourage her. And you know what? I've cried. I have cried with women over their struggle with sin. That, that's something the Holy Spirit gives us. You know, weep with her. Cry with her. But help her let it go. Help her to choose victory. And then three, seek to identify the area which is quenching the Holy Spirit. And you know what? This is a blessing from the Lord. Because I have a Holy Spirit handout that I was going to go over with you. And due to time... We're not going to do that, but that particular portion of my notes, I felt led by the Lord to write completely out for you. So what's great about this Holy Spirit handout is you can take it home and read it and study it and use it right away. But I, I want to take a moment to spend some time on the importance of the Holy Spirit because it's only through the Holy Spirit's power, His power, that we can forgive, that we can recover, that we can overcome anything. Or that we can live the life of the authentic Christian, which Romans 12 says, overcome evil with what? Good. Overcome evil with good. How does anyone do that? I think you all know what comes to our mind first in our flesh is retaliation. I want to strike back. Ooh, I want to make them pay. I mean, that is the first thing that comes to our mind in our flesh. But no, the Spirit of God lives in us. And when it is alive and well, alive and well, and we have no need to worry because we have the power. We are more than conquerors. And we will walk in victory. 
And this quenching of the Holy Spirit today, ladies, I, I just can't tell you how important it is in your walks with Jesus. And he's just been showing me so much. And I'm going to give you a perfect example here and, and just humbly put myself before you. Planning for this day, uh, we had a, um, an, ex- an unexpected change of plans in um, preparing everything for you as there was a memorial at our church on Friday. And I was told about it you know, just a few days before, and immediately, immediately, what did my mind go to? Oh, man, my plans are all messed up now. Can't get in, you know, to set up the room. We're going to have to come early in the morning. Now, who is that talking? That is the flesh. That's Margie. I'm just like you in your flesh. No different. But here's the difference. What do I do? I thought that thought, and I thought, oh my gosh, someone in our fellowship, Jeannie Leeper, I love her to death, has lost her brother. Lord Jesus, forgive me for that thought. Forgive me for that thought. How selfish of me, God. And you know what? Instantly, instantly, my love came for that family, and, I, and they had an appointment with me to come and see the facility and I, I had so much compassion for them. I was able to pray with them, even some of the unbelievers in their family, and, and cry with them for the loss of that brother. But to see that how quickly you need to repent, it's that quick. Because I said earlier, thoughts become attitudes so fast, and attitudes become actions. You don't want your thoughts to get to an attitude. Because even though you haven't acted upon that attitude, you're thinking it. You're thinking it's the same thing. God's saying, get rid of that thought. Get rid of that thought. And that is why we need to live in constant fellowship with Jesus and the Holy Spirit. And why Romans 12.2 has become the absolute most vital scripture to me. I get it now. I get it now. I get it now. I need to continually be renewing my mind. Continually renewing my mind. And especially those of you that are counseling and you're on the front lines um, and you're in, that, you're, you're in that place a lot, you've got to be renewing your mind second by second, moment by moment. And it's a beautiful place to be because as you're doing that, you're in sweet fellowship with Jesus. Sweet fellowship. And then I just want to tell you that Paul says in this passage, you know what, some of them you've got to let go. Some of the women, you've just got to stop because you know what? The results are not up to you. It's the Holy Spirit's job to change their hearts. And Paul says, you know, to let them go, have nothing to do with them. Why? Because their hearts are too hard. There's nothing that you can do. You can pray for them. And they need to be released to go back out into the world where they have really chosen to walk in their will and their ways And Satan is having a field day with them. But you know what the awesome thing is? The awesome thing about that is they come back. They come back, sisters. They come back. It's um, a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful thing when they come back. Because Paul says to Timothy, don't panic. Evil has its limits. The devil always overreaches. The folly of the person who continues in his sin will be exposed. And Satan may have some temporary success in winning them as his comforts, 
but ultimately they'll be left empty. So hungry of heart, so searching for ultimate truth, that they become wide open to the gospel of Jesus Christ. And do you know why we can be encouraged today? Why there's hope for the heart of heart? Because in some of the greatest times of apostasy past have come some of the greatest revivals. Because people were so empty. They were so hurt. They were so disappointed by the things of the world that guys were out on the street preaching Jesus and people were coming to Christ. And you know what? It's just about like that now. You look at women around you and they are defeated and they are disappointed and they are tired and they are ready to give up. And you know what? You can be there to speak words of life to them. And you know what? Don't get turned off by whether they're an atheist or whether they're this faith or that faith. Go for the God-shaped hole. Go for the God-shaped hole. It's in everybody's heart, the believer's heart and the unbeliever's heart. Listen. Listen. Listen to her. What's she missing in her life? What's she missing in her life? And God will show you. You know, we get all caught up in whether we're going to say the right thing or whether we're going to remember the verses. But remember, what are we doing? We're taking people to Jesus. And we're taking people to his word. And you know, if you have that word in you and you start speaking it, she's not even going to know it came out of the Bible. She's going to like it. Because Isaiah tells us that the word of God goes forth in power. Right? It does not return void. And it accomplishes that for which it's sent. You speak a word over her, she doesn't even know it's from the Bible, but you know where it came from. You don't need to prove to her that you're a Christian and pull out your Bible. That word should be alive in your heart that you can share it with her. No, well, the Lord tells me when I worry, don't worry about anything. Not to be anxious. You know, because God's working in your life. Don't be afraid to share it. We listen to all of their stuff. Don't be afraid to share your stuff. (laughs) You know, don't. This is our life, right? This is the life in Christ. We got the answers. She doesn't. So don't be afraid. Lord Jesus, just thank you for this day, Father, and your faithfulness and for each woman that you have brought here. And God, um, oh, I pray that as she leaves this place, Father, that the stir would continue, that you would not leave her alone, Lord, (laughs) that you would just cause her to um, love you more, uh, bring her to your word, Lord Jesus. And Father, stir up her in her heart a desire to minister to women, to be an encourager, Lord get her eyes off of herself and and on you and and your purposes for her life, that she might walk worthy of that calling, Father, and walk in the fullness of it. We give you this day, we ask you to just, Father, um, don't let the, oh, I just pray it wouldn't leave as they exit the doors, God, that it would be a day that has changed their life forever, Lord, that they have learned truths um, that they will forever hold near and dear to their hearts and apply into their everyday life. So we give you all the praise and glory in Jesus' name. Amen.